Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. Oklahoma and Texas set to face each other on Saturday. The Sooners with the number 12 ranking. Texas number 3 in the nation. Both teams 5-0. and Finally, the Red River rivalry has some sort of significance outside of the state boundaries between these two schools. You know, it's always meant a lot to Sooner fans. It's always meant a lot to Longhorn fans. But this is a, 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 a game that... For the first time in, gosh, what, since 2009, it has significance on the national scale. And that's the first time since 2011 that the two teams have been ranked nationally, both of them at the same time. And again, both of them now coming in 5-0 and record. Crazy things are happening here. We mentioned this in the... Um, in the post-game podcast on Sunday with Iowa State, um, Oklahoma, the early line, now Texas is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under on this is 60-and-a-half points. But according to the ESPN matchup predictor, Oklahoma has a 54.4% chance of winning this game over the Longhorns. And that just kind of blows my mind. Now, I, as a Sooner fan, I think Oklahoma has – a great chance to win this game. There are going to be some challenges. Uh, we're going to talk about those things. Uh, but there, just to see a national I, – I, one of the things we do on, on Heartland Sports is we kind of do a uh, – every Friday we do something called Friday Locks. And if you've listened to me or followed us for a long time, you know um, I'm a big fan of point spreads. I like looking at them. I like trying to break them down. I like trying to figure it all out. Um, and so I look at that ESPN matchup predictor quite a bit – to try to track, is it is it accurate, is it on, is it off, do I agree, do I disagree? Very seldom do you see, not, not that it's never happened before, but very seldom do you see a team that's an underdog have the highest percentage chance of winning the game. And again, that's based off of stats and trends and so forth. But then, again, so are, so are betting lines. And so you see Texas with a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game but then Oklahoma with a 54.4% chance of winning. So that just lets you know this. Honestly, I mean, if you're looking for a good indicator, a good sign as to whether this game is a toss-up, there it is right there. I think the entire world would be shocked if this game ends up being a blowout to the tune of what it was last year with Texas just thrashing the helpless Oklahoma offensive team by the final score. You, I don't even want to mention it, but 49 to nothing. Uh, which is clearly something that is going to be a motivating factor, I think, for both sides. So we're going to do a kind of a shortened episode of the Sooner Nation podcast uh, because of time constraints, but we we do want to talk about some things with this game. I'm, I'm going to give you four. Um, I'm going to give you four things that I believe, in order, are the top four keys, the top four things to look for 
um, in, in this matchup to determine whether Oklahoma can pull off the upset. And then we got some other things that we're going to keep an eye on as well. But I, I think these top four in order are the are the most important things that Oklahoma has to do or we as fans need to look for. They're going to be the key matchups. But, you know, like I let off with, it's it's good to have – this game means something again on, on a national scale. It's always it's always meant everything to those who clad crimson and cream and those who wear the burnt orange. I mean, these teams could come in winless. They could come in unranked. They could come in out of the national picture, which we've seen that. And unfortunately, we've seen that a lot in, in the recent years and from both sides. Now, Oklahoma traditionally has had more to lose since the turn of the century the Sooners have had more to lose in this game than the Longhorns have had, but the reality is it's good that they both come in with something on the line. And and it's not just that we've had uh, – it's not just that the two they, – these they're, they're ranked for the first time since 2011. They are the only two ranked teams in the Big 12, and we do our, our power rankings every week in the Big 12, and we've had Oklahoma – in Texas at the top of the of the power rankings for quite a while now. And and here's the reality of the situation. I don't think the outcome of this game is going to change the power shift in the Big 12. And we'll talk here at the very end of this podcast about if there is a Big 12 dark horse, but I don't see West Virginia or Kansas State jumping up and taking the number two spot, regardless of who wins and who loses this game. Well, right now, uh, we have it in our power rankings, Texas number one, Oklahoma number two. Um, if there's going to be a change in the power rankings, I think it's just those two teams swap. If Oklahoma wins, next week the power rankings will most likely read Oklahoma one, Texas number two. The only thing that gets in the way of that is going to be if it's a blowout, if it's a blowout of mass proportions, which – I don't expect it to be. I, I'm going to give you a quick hint here. I think it's a one-score game, and I'll give you that uh, that prediction at very, very last on the podcast. Um, so here we go. Here's what I think we got to look for as Oklahoma fan base to whether Oklahoma can win this game, which, again, I believe they can, but here's the top four things that the Sooners have to do. The first thing you look at is going to be the Texas running game versus Oklahoma's defense. Jonathan Brooks has been pretty phenomenal. Uh, you think, well, this team loses B. John Robinson to the NFL, so the Longhorns are going to take a step back with their rushing attack, and that hasn't been the case. Uh, Jonathan Brooks averaging 6.9 yards per carry on the season, 119.4 yards per game, and of course he's coming off that performance last week against Kansas where he went off for 218 yards as a team, the Longhorns are averaging almost 200 yards per game on the ground, 191.8. And, and we can't, we, there's no way you can belittle that accomplishment as an Oklahoma fan and say, well, you know, they, they outside of Alabama, they haven't really faced anybody. And last week, Jalen Daniels didn't play for Kansas. Well, Jalen Daniels wouldn't have made a single tackle, right? Jalen Daniels would not have made a single tackle on Jonathan Brooks last Saturday in that game. So he had little effect to no effect on the Texas running game. Uh, the only thing that – the only way Jalen Daniels not playing in that game affected what Texas did offensively is maybe the defense got gassed because the offense couldn't stay on the field long enough. But regardless, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you've been worried about the Oklahoma's running game for quite some time now, Right. 
You've been, you've been like, okay, is it Eric Gray? Oh, not Eric Gray. He's gone. Is it Marcus Major? Is it Tawi Walker? Is it, you know, who, who's the running back? Who's the feature back? You know, J- Javante Barnes is this a week? Like, Oklahoma has been begging for the running game to get going. And when you see an opponent averaging almost 200 yards per game on the ground, I mean, honestly, I, I'm a little bit jealous that they're accomplishing that. So that running game is going to go right into the teeth of this Oklahoma defense that's been pretty stingy on the ground. The Sooners are ranked number 28 nationally against the run, averaging 105.2 yards per game. And then you look, I said this after the Iowa State game, but I I said it in a way that was positive. You, You look at what happened last week. Iowa State gashed Oklahoma early in that game. Through the first quarter and some change, Iowa State was basically doing what they wanted offensively against Oklahoma's defense. Now, the Sooners made their adjustments. Everyone talks about the halftime adjustments, but the reality is you go back and you watch the film, those adjustments happened before the half. Before you hit halftime, those, those things were there. But Oklahoma, they, they, they put the brakes on the Iowa State offense. Now, that, that Iowa State offense, to be fair – is not even in the same realm as what Texas is bringing to the table in the Cotton Bowl. This challenge is much more stiffer. This challenge is much more, uh, much more difficult. But it's key. This is the key matchup. Every game that Oklahoma has played to this point of the season, the goal has been: Can you take away the run? Can you take away the run? And the, the team that has been most significant, the, the most important part of it that they've played so far is, is Cincinnati. Because the run game is what made the Cincinnati offense work. And you get into a very similar situation right here with this Texas offense. If you take the running game away, you put more pressure on the passing game. And Texas has weapons in, in, in the passing game. Their receivers, their tight end, they're, they're good and they're dangerous. But you still want the pressure to be on them as opposed towards a running back who's just going to gash you for over six yards per carry. So that that's going to be a big thing to watch out for. I, I think the other thing you're, you're looking for um, on this is going to be the play of special teams. And and you, you start with the field goal kickers, and you got Burt Auburn for Texas. He's 9-14 on the season. He's got twice as many attempts as Oklahoma's Zach Schmidt. But Schmidt is 6 of 7, so he's hitting a higher percentage even though it's fewer attempts. Here's where it gets interesting to me. Because you look at Auburn, he's when, when you're 40 to 50-yard range, he's hitting 50%. He's 2 of 4. He's over for 2 on 50-plus. But Schmidt, I mean, he's only got one field goal attempt this season between 40 and 50 yards. And then he's one for one on that. And so it's it, you you look just you look statistically, you, you look at the numbers and you think in the kicking game, Oklahoma has to have an advantage, right? Higher field goal percentage across the board, but then fewer attempts. And the fewer attempts could be good, could be bad, right? It, it means you're getting I, the way I interpret this is that the fewer attempts basically means you stall out less than what your opponent is, right? I mean, you, you can look at that. Burt, Burt Auburn's 9 of 14. So to me, that means 14 field goal attempts, 
they've stalled out 14 times. And then conversely, Oklahoma, Zach Schmidt, six of seven, means Oklahoma's offense has stalled out seven times. So you look at that and you think, well, the, the Sooner offense stalls out less frequently than the Texas offense. So to me, that's a plus. Could be totally wrong about it, but that's the way I read it. And then the second way you look at it is, is whether it's seven times, 14 times, or 14,000 times, Oklahoma is hitting field goals at a higher rate than what the Texas Longhorns are. So I think you have an advantage there. And you got to look for an advantage in, in any situation in a game like this where I believe it's going to be incredibly tight and these two teams are incredibly close and their talent levels, you got to find those advantages. And I think special teams is where Oklahoma is going to find one. And, but it's not just in the kickers. You, you look at what Oklahoma is doing uh, you and I and I really I called him out before the Iowa State game, and I said, you know, look, the, the special teams hasn't made a play in a while. You all right? You you've got the field goal, excuse me, the punt return. Then you you had the um, you had the blocked field goal, and then you you had the fumble Jalil Farouk against Tulsa, and this kind of went into a little bit of a lull with special teams, but special teams came back in a big way last week against Iowa State with Peyton Bowen's second block punt, um, and this time it resulted in a safety. you got to find points. I think think these teams aren't going to score to the tune of what this over-under is. So there's another hint, I guess, at at what I'm going to do on a score prediction. Over-under is 50... what is the over-under? Over-under 60.5 points. I don't know that I believe this game gets to that threshold. So that means points are going to be a premium. premium, And you can find some on special teams. And so you, you look at that the, the Texas running game versus Oklahoma's defense, and then I think you look at special teams as deciding, possibly, potentially deciding factors in this game. But what else is there? Well, I think the second thing, excuse me, the third thing you have to look at is um, the key battle is going to be Oklahoma's secondary versus Quinn Ewers. Well, Matt, how can you not mention anything with OU's offense versus Texas defense? Look, I think points are going to be there for Oklahoma. I think when you look at Oklahoma's offense versus the Texas defense, I don't believe Texas fully understands what it's getting into with Oklahoma's offense. And some of it was going to go back to 49 to nothing. They didn't see the Oklahoma offense last year. They're going to see the Oklahoma offense this year, and there are some key matchups there. And we'll get into those, but I think those are the, the sub-categories, if you will, of things that we're looking for. The, the, to me, again, this is the four most important things. And Quinn Ewers, I don't think he's the electric quarterback that people thought he was going to be coming out of high school when he went to Ohio State and then he transferred back to Texas. I don't, I don't think he's the guy that they banked on him being just yet. But again, if you know anything about this rivalry and about this game, this is a game where heroes are made. And what you don't want is for viewers to be that hero. He's coming into this game 66% completion percentage He's got 10 touchdowns on the season uh, to just one interception. He's averaging 271.6 yards per game through the air and two touchdowns through the air. But Oklahoma's defense, I mean, this, uh, 
there were no concerns defensively, no major concerns defensively until we got into Iowa State last week. And even with what happened against Iowa State, Oklahoma's defense is holding opposing quarterbacks to a 54% completion percentage. And the Sooners have picked off in five games, they've picked off 10 interceptions. So you got a quarterback averaging two touchdowns per game going against a defense averaging ten, uh, two interceptions per game. And over the course of the season, you know, you, you, you saw the interception last week and then you got Danny Stutzman's interception against Tulsa. Those were returned for touchdowns. So th- this is going to be key. Remember we talked about stopping that running game, limiting what Texas can do, trying to put them behind the chains, and then you get pressure on Quinn Ewers and you trust your defense to do what it has done. But this will be the, the stiffest challenge, in my opinion, that this Oklahoma secondary has faced to this point of the season. And for as spectacular as Peyton Bowen has been, this is a big deal for a true freshman to be out there on the field against these guys. So that's, that's going to be a deciding factor. And then the last thing, maybe maybe it's a bit cheesy, maybe it's a little bit of a cop-out, but it, it, it does go back, I think, a little bit into what we, we discussed with special teams, particularly the field goal aspect of it. Then that's going to be what happens in the red zone. Texas has 19 red, excuse me, Texas has 21 red zone attempts on the season, and they've converted scores on 19 of the 21. Oklahoma's had 27 red zone attempts this season, and they've scored on 24 of the 27. So Oklahoma's got more red zone attempts, three less scores. Texas has 21, has less, less red zone attempts, but one less score. So if you're Oklahoma, again, you, you play those averages. We're talking about stalling out on field goal attempts. If you're Oklahoma, you're getting into the red zone more frequently than the opponent that you're facing. And you've converted on all of them but three. If you're Texas, you're, you've converted on all of them but two. And then you look at the defenses, and, and here's the thing. You know, Oklahoma's Oklahoma's defense and Texas' defense, they're, they're pretty – they're pretty close in red zone attempts. I, I think Texas is is um, they've given up um, uh, they've given up one touchdown to opposing opponents in the red zone. Oklahoma's given up three touchdowns to opponents in the red zone. Uh, so you you've got like I think it's it, what I think it comes down to is I think they're both. I, I don't I don't have the notes. I should have written this down, but I'm pretty confident in what I'm about to say. I think they've both had 10 opponent trips into, into the red zone with one of those trips ending in a touchdown for uh, an opponent for Texas, three of those trips ending in a touchdown for the opponents for Oklahoma. And then you got field goals across the board. I think I think Texas has given up five scores total in 10, uh, 10, t- uh, attempts, or 10 red zone attempts by their opponents. Oklahoma's given up six. So you you go across the board and you look at the stats between these two teams. You look at the the yards, offensive yards per game. You look at the yards allowed by the defense. The, the only glaring hole, really, when you break these two teams down, the only glaring hole is the Texas running game versus, versus Oklahoma compared to what Oklahoma does on the ground. That's it. They're, they're pretty even, pretty across the board. All together. And to me, that just looks at special teams and, and it makes you think they that's going to be a key factor. 
a kickoff return, a punt return, a block, a missed field goal, those type of things, in my opinion, are probably going to be one of the primary deciding factors in this game. So that's four things I think you got to look at when you're breaking down Oklahoma and Texas and, and this battle for the Big 12. Which, by the way, I, I, most likely, I think everybody, everybody, there's my Oklahoma accent coming out. I think everybody basically agrees that this is probably just round one between these two teams. That we're going to see them again. But they're, again, even across the board, it's going to come down to probably one or two plays as the deciding factor. So we got a couple more things that we do want to look at in, in, in regards to this game, but those are the top four. We'll come back on the other side with a few more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Student Nation Podcast, I'm Matt Hofeld. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. If it's your first time to try it out, thanks so much for being with us. If you don't like it, hey, look, we say thanks for trying. If you do like it, give us a give us a subscription, give us a like, give us a positive review. Um, the bottom line is we're all Oklahoma fans, all hoping for the best on Saturday, regardless of who the opponent is. But this week, the opponent is a little bit more special because it is Texas. Now, we just went through the top four things I believe Oklahoma um, is going to need to do or we need to look at uh, in order for the Sooners to pull off an upset on Saturday. Um, And that's looking at the Oklahoma defense versus the Texas running game. Uh, You're looking at special teams plays. You're looking at the secondary versus Quinn Ewers. And then what happens inside the red zone. But there are a few other things. Let me give you real quickly – uh, six more things that we that I think are going to be pretty big uh, in in regards to this game. They're probably not going to be those deciding factor type things like I, the first four that I mentioned, but they're still going to be pretty big. I, I think you look at the battle of the line of scrimmage, where both teams have um, have pretty beefy defensive lines. Both teams are pretty good at making plays in the backfield and. This is a point of concern for me as an Oklahoma fan because I think, I think, uh, I, I can't prove it. Maybe Saturday, I, I hope it Saturday disproves this theory, to be honest with you. I think Texas may be a little bit better along the offensive line than what Oklahoma is. And that gives a little bit of an advantage towards the Texas defensive front. And one of the things that Oklahoma has to do Uh, that we all want them to do, that we're praying that they can do, is the Sooners have to run the ball. And they have to pose some sort of threat to get Dylan Gabriel in that passing game um, to where they can be effective. Now, I I think Oklahoma can come out and throw the ball 65 times and, and, and move the ball against Texas. But that battle up front on both sides of the ball is going to be huge. And, and I just, I can't help but think, that Texas is going to have a little bit of an advantage in terms of their offensive line versus Oklahoma's defensive line. And I want to be wrong on that. And and I want you to tell me that I'm wrong on that. But uh, it, it bothers me. Uh, we haven't mentioned Dylan Gabriel yet. 
He's the guy that is uh, the polarizing figure on this Oklahoma offense. It's I feel like you either love him or you hate him. There's no middle ground there. I do I do get the sense. I'm curious about this. I do get the sense that through five games, some of the people that weren't really high on Dylan Gabriel are starting to kind of come over. Not not so far as to admit that they were wrong. But to at least say, okay, I'll give him a chance, or maybe he's a little bit better than I expected. They, they went from being like uh, anti-Dylan Gabriel, you got to put Jackson Arnold in the game right now. They went from that to really kind of being indifferent, which that's a step in the right direction. The problem is, if he doesn't come out and perform in this game, then they're going to go back to where they were the first week in September as they're getting ready to face Arkansas State, and everyone's like, well, this is a great time just to throw Jackson Arnold out there and let him start the season, right? Dylan Gabriel's completing 75.2% of his passes on the season, 1,593 yards on the season, 15 touchdowns to two interceptions. Those are really good stat lines. And the thing is, if he can go out there and be average – to his stats this year, if he just goes out there and he's average, I think Oklahoma's in a position to win this game. I think Oklahoma is sitting well to win this game if Dylan Gabriel is average to his stats. Not saying he's got to be an average quarterback because you got to be above average quarter to, to, to win this conference. You've got to be, you've got to have above average quarterback play. And, and Oklahoma has that in Dylan Gabriel. 75% of your passes being completed, that's above average. 15 touchdowns or two interceptions, that's above average. So don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Dylan Gabriel is an above average quarterback. But if he goes out and plays an average game for him, I think Oklahoma is in position to win this game. If he plays above average, I think Oklahoma actually wins the game. But Dylan Gabriel is going to be obviously a key. Uh, we saw what happens when Oklahoma plays Texas without a quarterback. We saw that last year. And our argument for, for 52 weeks has been, well, we didn't have a quarterback. Yeah, you beat us 49 to nothing. What did you expect? We played a fullback at quarterback. And I still say, I mean, like I don't, I don't want to scratch the, the scab off the wound, but I still say if they stuck with that, they would have scored points. But they, they didn't stick with that. They put Davis Bevel in for whatever reason. But don't want to go back to that. The point is, we've made that argument for 52 weeks now that Oklahoma would have done better had they had a quarterback. Well, you got a quarterback. And you got above average quarterback. And he's got to be key to what Oklahoma does on Saturday. So you look at the, the battle of the line of scrimmage. You look at the battle of the quarterbacks. And look, I, 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 you know me. If you listen to this podcast, I am a homer. I'm an absolute homer. Uh, I'm, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. But I, I think you, you take the crimson and cream glasses off and you look at Oklahoma's quarterback compared to the, the Texas quarterback, you look at stats, you look at completion percentages, you look at leadership, you look at accomplishments. Oklahoma has the better quarterback in this game. At some point, I mean, Quinn Ewers is, is three years out of high school, two years into his collegiate career as a starter. But at some point, you got you to stop going by what you were graded coming out of high school and graded on what you've accomplished in college. 
And, and if you do that based on merit, Dylan Gabriel's had more success, has, has better numbers, higher, higher completion percentages for a career, average career touchdowns. Not, I mean, if you look at Dylan Gabriel has been in college for longer than Quinn Ewers, so it's not, it's not fair to compare total touchdowns and total passing yards, but you can look at averages over the seasons. Oklahoma has the better quarterback in this game. This is the biggest game of Dylan Gabriel's career. Saturday is going to be the biggest stage that he's played on with the most pressure that's been on his shoulders in front of the craziest crowd he's ever experienced. Can he perform and be above average? Can Oklahoma exploit those one-on-one matchups in the Texas secondary? They're going to be there. And, and I think you have to be, as an Oklahoma fan, you have to be encouraged to have seen just a little bit, seen Brennan Thompson on the field. Running deep a couple of times to get something on tape. I don't think it was coincidence that they moved away from Andrew Anthony last week either. They had the early pass to him, and then they really didn't go back to him. I don't think that was coincidence. So you think about what's happening with Oklahoma's receiving core you had Andrew Anthony kind of disappear. You had Brennan Thompson make an appearance. Can Oklahoma exploit those one-on-one matchups? Because if you're on the Texas side of the ball, you've got to figure out who. My guess is if you've got Andrew Anthony, if you've got um, Jalil Farouk, and you've got Brennan Thompson out on the field at the same time, probably Jalil Farouk's going to get the one-on-one. Can they exploit that? We haven't seen tight ends really used at all. But Blake Smith has been the better of the two tight ends, which is a little bit shocking. Is that going to be your one-on-one matchup? Oklahoma has to find the one-on-one matchup. Oklahoma's offensive line has to give Dylan Gabriel time to be able to exploit that. And the reality, the reality is this goes both sides of the ball because Texas is shooting for the same thing, and they've got Xavier Worthy. I don't know what the health situation is with the Sanders kid at tight end, but they've got the same guys that can exploit one-on-one matchups. So can they do it? And then we already talked about it, I mentioned it earlier, can Oklahoma run the ball? They're going up against a – this has been – I think at best you can describe Oklahoma's running game as anemic. I think that's a a word I've used a couple weeks in a row now. Uh, in various capacities. But I think at best you say they're, they're anemic in running the football and they're going up against a defense that only gives up 94.6 yards per game on the ground. Third consecutive defense that Oklahoma has faced, that's pretty dang good at stopping the run. Cincinnati, Iowa State, and now Texas. Texas being the cream of that crop. Can Oklahoma move the ball on the ground? I, I don't think you want... Dylan Gabriel being your leading carrier. I don't think you want Dylan Gabriel being your leading rusher. You'll take it if that's what gets you the success, but that means you're going down the down the, the clipboard, so to speak, in your playbook. You want to be able to move the ball on the ground with your backs, be it Marcus Major, be it Talway Walker, be it Javante Barnes, be it Gavin Solchek. you got to move the ball on the ground. But then here's the last thing. I mean, this is it. It comes down to this for me. Is the finesse gone out of this team? 
I've been saying this for a while. I said it last year. I said it at the beginning of this year. It takes some time to work the Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch out of this team. And last year, we saw a lot of plays that were made by the opponents because Oklahoma lacked physicality. This year, you've seen the Sooners be the aggressors. This year, you've seen Oklahoma get punched in the face like they did against Iowa State, and they came back, and, and, and they, they fought back and, and delivered the knockout blows. You saw them on the road against a very physical defensive front that Cincinnati brought. Can they, can they be physical on Saturday? Can they be the most physical team on Saturday? Is that finesse gone out of these guys? Because they, they can't. You can't win this game without being physical. And Texas, for the last few years, now, I, I, look, Lincoln Riley had success. But the reality is Texas has been the more physical team. Is the finesse gone, and is this team back to being physical? So those are the things. That, that's what I'm looking for. I think that's what a lot of other people are looking for. If we miss something, well, there's time. It's Thursday. This game's Saturday morning. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Let us know. What do we miss? What, what are you looking for that we didn't talk about? we got a score prediction coming up, but I, I want to bring up one more thing before we get into the score prediction. Because something, something's going to happen on Saturday that's kind of crazy, if you think about it. Oklahoma and Texas, clearly the best two teams in the Big 12. I said that at the top of this podcast. I'm bringing it back around at the bottom half of the podcast. Oklahoma and Texas clearly are the best two teams in the Big 12. There's a reason why they're the only two ranked teams in the Big 12. But it begs the question, is, is there a dark horse contender for this conference? And I think, I think the answer is yes. There's always a dark horse contender. It's just will they rise? But it's crazy what's happening in Morgantown, West Virginia. You've got three teams. You've got three teams in the Big 12 that are undefeated in conference play. Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia. All three of those teams are sitting at 2-0. Now, West Virginia is playing at Texas Tech. Um, sorry, that game's in Morgantown. They're playing Texas Tech in Morgantown. They could be sitting at 3-0. And then they got to go to uh, to TCU, uh, and then Houston. So I mean, look, they've got a good slate coming up. And then you look at Kansas State. We assume that after Friday night, in the Kansas State's playing at Oklahoma State, we assume that Kansas State's going to be two and zero. They're at Oklahoma State, and then they play at Texas Tech. And the point I'm making, the craziness in all of this is as good as Oklahoma and Texas have been going into this game at 5-0, and being the only two ranked teams that the Big 12 has to offer at this point, there's a good chance that West Virginia or Kansas State or West Virginia and Kansas State will be ahead of Oklahoma or Texas in the standings come Saturday night. Because we know, I mean, you know Oklahoma or Texas is losing the game. And that is just, that's, that's the way this thing works. So only one team's walking out of the Cotton Bowl 6-0. Only one team's walking out of the Cotton Bowl 3-0 in conference play. Well, the other one's going to be 2-1. If West Virginia moves to 3-0 in conference play, if Kansas State moves to 2-0 in conference play, they're going to be unblemished. 
and ahead of either Oklahoma or Texas, they're going to be ahead of that loser in the standings. Just a crazy thought. I don't know that it's going to stay that way. I really don't think it's going to stay that way, but it will be that way for the moment. So there's a, that's a crazy phenomenon that's going to happen. All right, um, here we go. Uh, Texas, five-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 60-and-a-half. Here's my official score prediction. I, I weighed through this. I, I, I am a homer. I wanted to be realistic, though, and I think realistically – Oklahoma has a legitimate chance to win this game. I think realistically quarterback play, special teams, makes a difference in this game. I've got Oklahoma 30, Texas 23. Got the Sooners winning it by a touchdown, uh, which clearly is the under on the 60-and-a-half and puts Oklahoma in the positive being a five-and-a-half-point underdog. So that's my official prediction. I'd love to hear yours. Hit us up um, on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Find us on the internet, heartland-sports.com. We've got some other things there on the website that lead up to Oklahoma, Texas, that you might be interested in. Enjoy your college football weekend. Hopefully we're back next week to talk about the 6-0 and uh, Oklahoma Sooners and what is now the ceiling for this team. Hopefully that's what we're back to talk about, but uh, we'll see what happens on the other side. Have a great weekend, everybody.